in Israel's history. For thousands of years, his life has inspired both men and women in their pursuit of life. From uh, these incredible uh, medieval galleries, from pulpits to evangelical preachers to Hollywood, movies starring Richard Gere, this ancient king, this guy, this David, is one of Western civilization, well, our whole civilization's most incredible legacies. And his life is one that's characterized by both incredible success and crazy deep failures. There's a a Russian poet named Boris Pasternak, and he said this, "Uh, it is not revolutions and upheavals that clear the road to new and better days, but someone's soul inspired and ablaze. David's life can and should inspire each of us. In this guy, in this person that we're going to study over the next couple months, there's this potential to inspire and light something in us that can catch fire. This evening, um, what I want to do is just take a, a few minutes tonight to start with a bit of an overview of who David is and a bit of an overview of his life. So I'm not going to jump into specifics, but we're going to look at who he is. And then again, over the next couple months, we're going to dig into a bunch of specific stories and experiences and who this man was. Uh, to start with, I want to sh- share with you a couple of key dates. These are a couple of key dates that mark um, defining moments in the life of David. Excuse me, let's take a look at a couple of them. Uh, Yeah, I jumped ahead. So in 1085 BC, David is born. In 1055 BC, David begins his reign. And in 1015 BC, David's reign ends. In terms of David's life, uh, it can really be separated into three distinct phases. There's three phases. Uh, Let's jump. Where am I going? There we go. Got to catch up. The first stage is this. Uh, There's the period uh, before his elevation to the throne. So it's all his like growing up before he became the king. There's the period of his reign at Hebron over Judah and at Jerusalem over all of Israel. So there's this period where he's reigning. And then the third part is this period of his sin in his later years. So there's kind of breaks. We, break, we want to break his life into three different parts. In terms of a person, uh, who was this man whose life and songs continue to influence the hearts of those who live us more than 3,000 years after he died? In describing David, I think you'd have to kind of, you get this picture. He's kind of this, like in appearance, he'd be like Brad Pitt. Uh, in sort of military expertise, he'd be like somebody like a General Schwarzenegger. Uh, the athleticism of maybe an Alex Ovechkin, the musical talent of an Elton John, the poetic flair of a, maybe an Alfred Tennyson. And you mix them all together and you get this guy, David, this incredible man. To take David out of the pages of Scripture, we would be left with this gigantic biblical pothole. Next to Jesus, the Son of God, David appears in the Bible more than any other biblical figure. 
Of the 150 psalms recorded in the Old Testament, about half of them are, are ascribed to David he, as the author, that he wrote them. And outside of Jesus, he's the only other biblical personality mentioned in the final chapter, in the final chapter of the Bible. Even Jesus himself was described as the son of David. This guy was a big deal. He's this superhero of the Bible. As a musician, he wrote uh, so many inspirational songs, songs that even today are continued to be sung, some of which we even sing here. As a military leader, he more than tripled the army from where he started. About 300,000 men to about 1.3 million men. Like, this guy was incredible. As a spiritual leader, he recaptured the Ark of the Covenant. He restored Jerusalem. As an organizer, he, he uh, reinstated the Levites, 24,000. He appointed 6,000 scribes, judges, porters, uh, singers. David succeeded in most everything he did. His life was graced by the presence of God. And it's perhaps best defined by one single verse. In 1 Samuel, sorry, my stuff's out of order here. In 1 Samuel, it says this. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. David succeeded in everything he did because God was with him. As we kind of just mull tonight and think through this, this overview of this guy, could that be said of you? Can that be said of me? Put a big mirror in front of my face tonight. Can that be said of us tonight? Is God with you? David is the only one in all of Scripture who's described this way. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Is that us? Is that me? Is that you? Can you be described as a man or a woman after God's own heart? Do you have a heart for God and for his ways, who he is? Now make no mistake, David was not perfect. As incredible as of a man as he was, as amazing as he was, and you, know, you kind of get this picture of this superhero. There is so much wrong with who this guy was as well. Let's start with David's gross obsession with women. Uh, for, he was a polygamist, which was part of the culture at that time, I get that, but, but he had children from at least seven wives. And it's possible there was more. He had multiple concubines, this sort of quasi-matrimonial relationship that existed in that culture in that time. Um, and not content with that, he used his political power to seduce another man's wife and had sex with her and, and bore a child out of wedlock. After that happened, uh, he, he sent and murdered, basically murdered, the, the woman's husband, Uriah, the Hittite. As a parent... David was a horrific father. On multiple occasions, he failed to discipline his children for inappropriate behavior. There was nothing in his parenting package that would be, inspire you to become a, a, a godly parent, a father. Near the end of his reign, David forced his commanding officer, Joab, to take a census that eventually caused the death of 70,000 Israelite people. And when it came time to build the temple, 
David's lifelong dream, the end of his life, God came to him and said he was not allowed to do it because he said, you've shed too much blood. You've shed too much blood. David was far from perfect. As incredible as he was, and even recognizes this man after God's own heart, he still had all this darkness and this, this hole. And as, I, as we kind of kick it off and as we look at this overview, I, I, I find it somewhat confusing. I find it confusing that this, this man, that uh, this sinful man was allowed to write portions of the Bible. He was allowed to have this, this religious city named after him or publish worship songs that we sing even to this day. It's kind of a little bit odd, isn't it? Like, you kind of, as you reconcile that, you're like, really? Like, why? How does this all work? And yet, with all of these imperfections, as we've read already, David was described after this man after God's own heart. So what was it about him? What was it about this guy that made him worthy of that title. Tonight, we're going to look at two things. Just as we, again, we look at the overview of who he is, and then we're jumping to him more over the next months. But we want to look at, I want to look at two things tonight that characterize kind of this over picture, overall picture of who David was. Compete with the motorbike. The first one was simply this. Two things that define David's life. The first one was this, a desire for God. I think far and above more than anything else as we look at this guy, the superhero of the faith, one of the most defining qualities of David's life was his passion for God's presence. More than anything else, David loved, hear this, David loved to be with God. More than anything else, he loved to be with God. Whether it was as a kid, up on the hills, as a young shepherd, where he wrote some of the most anointed worship psalms, or to this passionate dance of celebration while the ark was coming back in. We we actually used that story this fall as we talked about just this abandoned worship before God. It is unquestionable that David absolutely had this desire and this passion for God. It was David who wrote the songs describing his heart's cry for God. Psalms like this, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with you, God? I don't know about you, is that how you wake up? you wake up like that? Are the first words out of your mouth, good morning God, I can't wait to spend the day with you. Or would it be maybe more, a bit more like, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> which, is, which one is it for us? David wrote in Psalm 27, these words, one thing I ask of the Lord This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, God, Lord, will I seek. My heart says of you, seek his face. 
Your face, Lord, will I seek. Can you feel that desire for God in these words? Do you sense that desire for God here? Can you hear this heart, this passion for the presence of God? David's desire for God was not just restricted to a church service or a weekend convention. His passion was for God was 24-7. In Psalm 63, 6, he wrote these words. <clears throat> On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night all the time. Tozer said it this way. <clears throat> Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the seeking. Does your heart long for God? Is there that desire that deep inside of you to be with him? As David wrote in Psalm 119, I seek you with all my heart. You know the encouraging part with this? Clearly, a life that seeks God, desires God, like we're just seeing this picture of this deep desire for God, clearly, it is not characterized by somebody that doesn't have problems. You do not have to be perfect to be a person that seeks God like what we're seeing here. David was far from a man that had a perfect life. David was far from this, this guy that had it all figured out. But still there was this pursuit, this hunger, this depth of desire for God. And before I just jump into the second thought, this overall, just again, that simple question tonight. Has God captured your heart with that kind of love, with his love? In the quiet of this moment, as you're sitting there and, you know, thinking through, being real and being honest before him, has God captured your heart with that kind of love? Not made you perfect. Please hear me, right? Not figured it all out. Not got it all going on. Because it does, that's not, what, that's not this guy. But has he captured your heart with this desire for who he is? For him, for his presence, for God in us. Emmanuel, as we celebrated this Christmas. God with us. Has God captured your heart? And then the second thing is I just wrap up really quickly. <clears throat> that defined David's life was this. Not only a desire for God, but an incredible dependence on God. David depended on God throughout all of his life. And there's lots of examples in scripture, but I, I just want to share simply two thoughts, two, two examples with you. And the first one was from his bat, the battle with Goliath that he did. When, when David agreed to take on this Philistine giant who measured nine, over nine feet tall, the members of Saul's army snickered. They laughed at him. Who's this kid? Who does he think he is? For 40 days and 40 nights, the Israeli army had trembled in fear as they had hid from this man who was the great-grandfather of Shaquille O'Neal. That's a joke. 
When the time came for David to fight the giant, he spoke these words in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 to 47. He said this, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered there, here, will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Pause for a moment. Hear this. It is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Can you see this incredible dependence on God? It's not my strength. It's not my spear. It's not my sword that's going to do this. But it is the God of our, it is our God who will do this. He leaned in. Like leaned in and said, God, you've got to do this. I can't. And in the end, he kills Goliath with one smooth stone and the help of God's spirit. The second example, second story, just really quickly again, of David's dependence on God is taken from the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel. And it's actually... Um, it's, a, it's a part of the Bible that records one of the darkest days of David's life. It's, a, it's part of the story where um, he's actually on the run. He's a fugitive. He's running from Saul, from this king, this, this person that he's known, and he's been exiled to a small town called Ziklag. Him and his men are off. They're fighting for some of the, the, the local. They're fighting alongside of some of the locals. And they come back to their town, to Ziklag, And uh, this is what happens. And we'll read it. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it. And had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag... They found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Feel this moment with me. They wept until they literally could not weep anymore. This dark depth sorrow. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. In this incredible depth of despair. This moment where he literally could not cry anymore. David found strength in the Lord his God. Not only did this man have this incredible desire for God. 
this heart and this hunger to seek God with everything in him. But he depended on God with everything. In all circumstances. In the darkest, deepest spot. He just said, God, I just can't. I have to trust you and lean. And, and only you. Who do you depend on? When everything goes south. When things are not working. When the crap hits the fan and the kids are tired. And you don't really feel like talking to your spouse. Who do you depend on? When you're not sure what to do with your life. And you're trying to figure out what's next. And you're kind of walking out this journey. Who do you depend on? Who do you turn to? When I think about dependence, I think about my kids. Babies can teach us so much about dependence because they are completely dependent on us. Right? They need everything. Uh, you know, when my kids were little, they need like, shelter, food, care, comfort, love. They can't eat by themselves. They can't walk by themselves. They can't dress themselves. They can't go to bed. They can't get out of bed. They can't drive my van by themselves. Nothing, right? Nothing. They need everything. There's this incredible total dependence. That if you remember with your kids and maybe with your nephews and nieces or these little guys running around, there's just this incredible dependence. And I think this is a picture. It's a picture of how God wants us depend on him where it's like God everything and just kind of being real open I think for me as a guy often I, my pride comes up it's like no I got this I can do it you know I've educated I've done lots of schooling, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I can do this instead of going, God, I need you. And I, I'm just to be clear, I'm not saying anything about against education or being wise. I think we're called to that, as a matter of fact, to be wise and to, to grow in wisdom and to use that. I believe it's a godly thing, actually. But do we trust that or do we completely Utterly trust God. Where do we, who are we relying on? Is it me and my abilities? Or is it him alone? Jesus said this in Matthew 5.3. God blesses those people who depend only on him. Even Jesus said... John 5, 19 says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. Even Jesus said, I, I, without the Father, I'm, I can do nothing. Like, I completely trust and depend on him. So again, a question, are you learning to depend on God as you walk out the bases of life? Or are you a spectator that stays and keeps at a distance? I read an old story this week and it simply went like this. The baseball game was tied 
with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. The batter stepped into the box and made the sign of the cross on the home plate with his bat. Imagine it. Stood there and he crossed the plate. Put a, made a cross on the plate. Yogi Berra, Hall of Fame catcher for the New York, Yan- New York Yankees, was behind the plate. A Catholic himself, Berra wiped, wiped off the plate with his glove and he said to the batter, why don't we let God just watch this game? Why don't we let God just watch this game? Dependence on God is not just letting him watch the game. Dependence on God is allowing him and inviting him to participate in the game of life in everything and everywhere and every part of who we are. My favorite part in all of this, as we again, we're just touching the surface, this overview of this man of David, is he was not a perfect guy. I feel like there's lots of hope in this. He, yes, he was this superhero, incredible man of God, the man after God's own heart, heart, the Bible says, but he was not a perfect guy. He had so many shortcomings, so many failings, and I don't know about you, but I feel like there's hope for me. Because what, it, what we see in this, in, the, in this picture, this overview, is a man that just, he simply desired God. First and foremost, above everything else, God, I seek you with all of my heart. And then he leaned in, and he just depended on God in an incredible way. And he was talented. This guy was gifted, and like he, he did incredible things. But he trusted God with everything. This total childlike dependence on God. As we close tonight, simple question. Do you, do I, do we desire God like this? Like David did? And do we trust, do we depend on God like David did? I want to encourage you. As we look at this man, as we look at the superhero of the faith over the next couple months, all of these, all the pieces we're going to look at come under this picture of a guy that just sought God, desired God with everything, and then trusted him. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? I think it starts with little steps. It might. It might maybe it's a huge jump, but for probably for most of us, it'll maybe start with little steps. A little step that maybe just says, what does it look like? And so here's a question. What does it look like for you to seek after God? In your own life, in your own regular, everyday life, what does it look like to seek after God? Is that, and it may be different for some of us in here. Does it mean to spend a bunch of time praying and talking to him? Probably, that's part of it. Opening up the Bible, seeing what God has to speak to us, that probably is part of it for most of us here. What other ways... Do you find that you seek God? And we've talked through this, even this last fall, through this nearness of God, maybe through worship, putting a CD on and just spending some time worshiping him. Maybe it's going for a walk. God is all around us, so out in creation, maybe that's a place where you seek and find God. Whatever that looks like, is there a way that you can lean in more than you have been already and seek him, desire him? And then trusting, dependence. What are those small areas, big areas? What are those pieces of your heart, your life, your, your marriage, 
your job, your workplace, where if you were to be honest, maybe you haven't completely trusted God. And just to simply, not arrogantly, not pridefully, but just humbly come before him and say, God, I, I just need, I need to trust you. I trust you. I choose to trust you. Would you work here? Would you move here? Would you lead here? I need to depend on you. I can. I trust you. So whatever that is in life, to seek him and then to depend on him. And again, knowing in all of this, we're not perfect. It's not about being better. It's not about being this you know, best person, and then, then that'll all happen. No, 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 no. Right where you're at, right where you are today, right where I'm at today, God wants to meet us. And, and he wants to know, as he did with David, as men and women after God's own heart. Bow your heads with me as we just close tonight. God, I thank you for this picture of a man, a, a real lit person who lived historical records that lived 3,000 years ago that we can learn from a life that was so devoted, so incredibly uh, passionately seeking after you, God. And a life that completely depended, that just leaned in with everything and just said, God, I, just, I need you, I trust you, only you can accomplish this. God, I thank you that in this life we see this picture. This picture of a man that was broken, this picture of a man that was, that was failed in many ways, but ultimately sought you. And God, I just pray tonight that, that as we, we look at this man, Father, would you inspire in us? Would you encourage in us? Would you motivate in us this, this desire, this heart to seek after you, to be known and to know you, and to trust you, to lean in and to trust you, God, in the big decisions, in the little decisions, in the day-to-day stuff, would we trust you and depend on you? God, we thank you that you know us and love us. And that you, your, your heart and your desire is the best for us. Not that things will always work, but you, you have a plan that is the best for us. And so tonight, God, give us strength. Give us courage to step like David did and to follow and to know you better. In your name, amen. One of the things that we love to do as we just wrap up our evening is to take a couple minutes and uh, just to, to see if there's any questions. Questions that maybe came up as we're talking through the scripture, talking about this, the life of David as we're talking. Um, maybe it's not questions for you maybe it's a thought maybe it's an idea something that's sort of oh man I never thought of that or boy that have you thought this way or for you maybe it's a challenge maybe it's something you don't totally agree with I'm broad shoulders and I'm not the smartest guy in the room I'll promise you that so um, so maybe a question a thought a challenge any thoughts questions tonight and there's no pressure but we just love to take some time if there's any uh, thoughts questions around the life of David Peter. Uh, one thing I just noticed is that um, as much as, God, as David had um, a heart for God, he did make a lot of mistakes, but yeah. I think one of the things that really brought him back was that 
he understood his position and kind of like where he stood and that helped soften God was over his life. <coughs> yep. And he was, um, when he knew he was in the wrong, he was very freely to repent. Yeah, him. absolutely. Um, and that's one thing that I noticed what was the difference between him and Saul, that yep. when Saul was in the wrong, he wasn't willing to uh, kind of repent and go back to Jesus. Yep. But uh, David, once he knew he was, um, and Saul, through his blindness, that he was always very eager in a sense to come back to him. Yep. You know what, and it's a great point, Peter. Um, even as we talk tonight about what are those steps to start with, a huge part of the life of David that characterized that man was a man that was willing to repent. He was willing to say, I'm wrong. I screwed up, God. Here I am. And for many of us, too, that'll be the starting point to seeking God. for, And it has been over and over in my own life as well. Where, fall off the rails. God, I'm sorry. I want to seek you. Absolutely. It's a great picture. Thanks, Peter. Other thoughts? Questions? Comments? No pressure. No, it's just the same yep. sort of thing yep. just with guys like Peter and David being the, the pillars of like the, our faith to some degree. Of when we look at the Bible and these incredible guys, yet they, they fell so hard, yet bouncing back, which is yeah, and uh, realizing that. Absolutely. So he took everything away from himself and go the lowest human being can go. Yeah. And that opened him up to God coming in and, and, and built him up again. Yeah. And often we say, yeah, sorry, God, and we don't really break down to that point where God can work with us. Mm. You know, sorry, sorry, but it's not, it's not, that's, that's sort of the next level to me. Yeah. Big, strong guy lying around. Yeah, me. sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and a big, strong guy. Like, just came back from literally fighting. Yeah. yeah you know, like, exactly. sword fighting. <laughs> like, yeah. big, strong guy. Fearless. Fearless. Yeah. Like a warrior yeah. lying till he can't weep anymore for a god. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point, Arnie. Everybody, thank you so much for leaning in. I want to just encourage you as you walk out your week. God is He's desiring this ongoing conversation and this journey walk out with us. And my prayer that for you this week is that you would seek God in, in ways that you've never sought Him before, into a depth that you've never sought Him before, and that you would rely and trust 
and lean into him in a way that you've never done before. May that be your week. May that be what happens this week. And may you see incredible things happen because of it. Have a great night. Don't forget to take your kids home with you. And thanks for coming. God bless you.